and welcome to the Write This Down podcast where I talk about the various topics that are on my mind ranging from mental health to my favorite drink of the day. I'm your host, Shayna Griffin, and for this episode of the Write This Down podcast, I am joined by none other than the brilliant Rhonda Jo Gilbertson Evans. Rhonda is a punk rock poet with five grandchildren, and she is one of the dearest friends that I have. She's also one of the most caring and badass people I know. Topics that are covered in this episode include how we met, our passions for the arts, especially as it relates to the Fargo-Moorhead area, and our struggles with mental health. Thank you for joining me and Rhonda as we write this down in my third episode of the Write This Down podcast. I really want to get a proper mic because I don't think that this mic picks things up as much as I want it to. I have the mics that you plug into your phone that's got a dual jack that clip onto your shirt. You do? I do. They were $24 on Amazon. Really? A dual jack? Yeah. So it has two of them. Yep. So you just clip it on to each shirt. So as we're sitting here talking, you just plug it into your phone and... Two microphones is better than one, baby. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Have you tried using them yet? No. (gasps) They're still in the box. (laughs) I'm assuming that they have an audio jack on them and not um, an iPod jack. I'd need to get a, what do they call it, a dongle for it. I hate that name. But I also hate that I have a phone that doesn't have an audio jack. They were like, it's the future, it's the future of, of phones and stuff that we're only going to have Bluetooth. And I'm like, great, now I have two things that I need to charge. I know. I'm That's bad crazy. enough at recharging myself. I don't need to have, like, multiple objects that need to be recharged. It's actually a huge, um... Do you want to be in the podcast? I hear you purring. I bet the the people of the podcast can probably hear him. Yeah, there you go. That's Junior the cat. Meow, meow. Um, I accidentally caused him to be an iPad baby. I um put put a, a game on my phone for him to play one day. Oh no, and you started it now. I started it, and now he's like, things happen on the screen, and so he will lay on me in the most inconvenient of ways, just so he can, like, look at the screen while I'm on it, and every once in a while, he'll just reach his paw out and touch something. He called somebody doing that one time. Did you? You did, didn't you? Yeah, he really (gasps) wanted to talk to me. You did? Oh my gosh, his eyes just got huge. He's like, yeah, I did it. He knows when you're talking to him, and he knows when you're talking about him. He's a really smart cat, but it's it's he's not a very wise cat. Um, who is who is a wise person anymore? Anyway, wisdom is overrated. Intelligence is overrated too. Oh my gosh, you're telling me. Sometimes I wish I wasn't as smart as I am. Oh, you're the smartest person I know. And I'm only 26. I know. It's 
kind of nauseating, really. <laughs> that you're only 26 and you're the smartest person I know. Oh, my God. Well, thank you for that compliment. <laughs> Can't wait to listen back to this audio and only hear Junior loudly purring into the microphone. <sighs> I've been making audio recordings on my phone for years now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been it's been an important way for me to process because I am an auditory processor. Yeah, like there there are conclusions that I reach when I'm talking that I never could have possibly come to by writing. Even when you're talking out loud to yourself. Oh yeah. 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 I think I process similarly. I would say that um, just saying something out loud gives it a reality for me. Yeah, in a way that writing never could, which is, I think, why we met. Right. At Outlet Spoken Word Poetry. Right. And I think there is, there's something about saying poetry out loud that hits way different than reading it off of a paper. Right, because I think that when you, it gives it that life that I was just speaking to. It, even though you might shake and cry up there, which I do, um, just speaking your truth and giving it that life um, from the page to the spoken word, there's a definite art to that. There is, and I think there's something about performing, too, and getting into that performance mindset that really pushes me to my limit, that really pushes me to keep talking, because I can sing even when my voice is wavering, so why not say my truth even if my voice shakes when I do it? Yeah, and when we met, you were playing the ukulele, which is immediately attractive to me, because I, I own a ukulele, I don't know if you know this, but I have always wanted to play the ukulele because it is a dead sexy instrument. Sexy. That's so funny because it's, it's, like, the, it's like a quaint and cute little instrument to me. Oh no, it's dead sexy. Oh, trust me, the ukulele is amazing. I think oh, I, I immediately was drawn to you when I saw that you could play the ukulele. I thought that was amazing. I saw a tatted up woman <laughs> and I said, whoa, this bitch looks like she's been through some shit. And then you went up there and performed and you were like, I've been through some shit. And I'm like, ah, yes. <laughs> That, that all makes sense now. Yeah. I, but I think that if um, I had not... You know, I stood up in the Red Raven for the first time that I ever read a poem, and I just cried the whole time, and I was told this is a safe space, just... Do whatever you're gonna do here 
and I just cried the whole time. Were you able to get the words out? Yeah, eventually. Eventually, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I have bipolar, and when I was manic, um, I was severely manic in July. And when I was severely manic in July, um, one of the warning signs for my dad is that I sent him a video of me listening to the song Cats in the Cradle and bawling my eyes out while I tried to just spit out the words as I was singing. And he was like, I think he contacted my husband and was like, hey, is Shayna okay? <laughs> And um, those are the things that are, like, really kind of fun and enticing about having bipolar is, like, who else can tell stories like that? I mean, like, the, it's the stories that get people through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and to piggyback off that, I have systemic lupus, and so... I can completely relate to some of those stories. There are a lot of um, similarities in that my illness flares. And so when I have flares, I do a lot of really crazy things too. I um, have seizures, I have um, brain fog, I have all kinds of, um, um, unexplainable happenings to my body and then the next day I might be fine. And so I've explained it to you before, Shayna, it's like being two people. Sometimes I don't know which one is going to show up to the party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my dad told me that he knew somebody who had bipolar once and that this person was difficult for my dad to be around because he never knew when this person was going to blow up. Like, they expressed anger a lot when they were um, manic. Mm. And um, this person is masculine, so he was raised to be, to be tough, you know? And I, right. think, I think in that way, um, bipolar probably represents itself way differently to men than it does for women, and I think that's the case with a lot of disorders, just because of the way people are raised. Right. Um, I can't say whether, how much of it's biological, and I don't think anybody really can. Right. There's so much of me that is like, would I have had bipolar if this happened? Would I have not had bipolar if this happened? Mm -hmm. um, I really question whether... I had to have bipolar or not because it just doesn't feel fair mm. yeah I guess I was always raised in a household where I was told life isn't fair you know I'm I'm from that generation of parents where I was always told life isn't fair get out there and play in the dirt you know with the other kids regardless of what's happening to you. So, um, um, you were diagnosed when you were pretty young, right? 16, but I can remember being um, like four years old and having chicken pox twice in six weeks. Like all the kids at school were, you know, they got chicken pox, rebounded, did great. I was like back in bed in like no time at all. 
Um, I remember um, having very poor mental health. I remember being a very, very sick child, mentally and physically. When you were as, as young as four years old. Yeah, I remember not... My psychiatrist says that it's impossible to be suicidal and be four years old because you don't have that object permanence. You don't have that ability to step outside yourself and realize what it would like be like not to be here. But I remember not wanting to be here. And I don't know if that was physical illness causing depression or if I had emotional problems as early as that. So Well, and, and to bring my sister into this, I remember she told me when she was 10 years old, Shana, I think I have depression. Yeah. See, I think it's possible for little kids to be like, this is not, this is not ideal. I'm sick. And that's exactly why I think there's risk factors, to be sure. Um, but I think to some extent, people, people are born into it. I, th- I think there's, there's so much biology and brain neurochemistry involved with mental illness. Um, and is there more ent- mental illness now than there ever was? Absolutely. But look at how many more people there are on this planet. Look at how much um, more... Um, you know, chemicals we have in our food and, you know, how many more chemicals we're putting in our body just on a daily basis. I think all of that comes into play. And of course, nurture. You know, I I wasn't raised in the most healthy of households. And, um, you know, it was like I said, go on out there and play. Get out there. Well, and it's it's so wild how how different everybody's been raised like because we're in different generations um I'm 26 years old and I'm 52 so that's quite an age gap um I wasn't raised in the most healthy of ways either um my father in particular um seemed to be quite a denier of mental health when my sister came out and said I think I have depression when she was 10 my family was in absolute denial um I feel comfortable saying I was the only one who believed her and took her at face value right away. Yeah. And I remembered her telling me, because I was going to school for teaching at the time, and I said, do you have any advice for me? And she said, talk to kids about mental health. Let them know what it is. Yeah. Just give them information about it. Because do you know how she found out that she had depression? Which I believe she did have at the time. What's that? She got a computer, and side note, very cutely, the first thing she did on Christmas when she got her computer was looked up different Christmas traditions around the world. So she has such a, like, heart for for people and for understanding things. Right. And she looked up, she remembered thinking that it took her a long time to go to sleep. So she looked up what the average amount of time was for a person to go to sleep, 20 minutes. She was taking an average of 22 hours to go to sleep, two hours to go to sleep every night. 
And she was like, why is this? And she must have found information about depression and said, yeah, I think that's what I have. And at 10 years old, she remembered experiencing those symptoms as early as eight. Yeah. Yeah. And I think younger and younger kids, especially because of the pandemic and having to do remote learning and some of those activities have really caused kids some trauma and now they're fighting with it more than ever. So, yeah. That's a, it's a lot for kids to handle. It's a lot for adults to handle. I oh, mean, I know. Like, as, as hippy-dippy as I know it sounds, I, I love living in the technology age for a lot of reasons. I'm really thankful that there's enough information about bipolar, for example, that I'm able to get the medical support that I need. On the other hand, humans are animals, and they're social animals, and they're animals that lived in tribes, smaller tribes of, you know, a hundred people to two hundred people, maybe maximum. Right. And that's what we're used to. That's what humans were. And I think so much of what we're seeing with this rise of mental illness is, yes, having more people in the world, having access to so many people, so much knowledge. Um, I can find a niche with a group of people I'll never meet. I can find um, a group of people online who all have bipolar and relate to them and feel friendships with them without ever having met them. And there's so much beauty to that. But the flip side of that is that I think we've developed a warped idea of what socialization looks like. I agree. I think that um, that's I mean, that's all part of the. I just can't. I can't do computer socialization myself, and I think that's my age too. I don't know if it is Rhonda because I'm 26 years old, and maybe it's just my dad in me. But I mean, my dad. He's like, you can't stop by people's houses anymore. And by golly, I could shed a tear about that because I hate that. I, Me too. I've, I've known where my friends live before. And, and th- this, is, this is the extreme end of it. I can't even call people, Rhonda. You can't even just call people without a text these days. I know you have to arrange a meeting to call people. I have to I have to ask my friends, "Hey, is it okay to call?" And I get it. Like people having social anxiety, I'm never going to say that that that's a wrong thing to do. It's just it goes very against the grain of what feels normal or acceptable for me like to me what is acceptable is hey I was driving by your house and I thought about you and I had some time so what's up you want to share some coffee together you know yes exactly yeah I'm from that generation for sure (laughs) I'm just driving by I thought I'd swing in and then you have some pie and a coffee and Next thing you know, it's three hours later and you're doing the the old uh, Minnesota goodbye. Exactly, and that takes three hours in and of itself. But, like, 
I got time, you know? Socialization is so much of what makes humans human. Right. Animals socialize, too. It's just different. I think the thing that feels most human to me, like, there's so much of, like, this makes a person human, that makes a person human. And I think people want so badly not to be animals. They want to distinguish themselves from animals. And I think one of the funnest things you can do is remind people that they are an animal. But there is one thing that I think is different with humans, and it's storytelling. I agree. And I think it's why I like poetry. I think it's why I like visual art. I think it's why I like dancing. Because... All of that is different ways of telling a story, and it's the language aspect is specifically for me that resonates with me. I went to school for teaching English as a second language, as well as communication arts and literature education. And it's something I brush off sometimes. I don't feel like I learned as much as I wanted to, but I did learn, like, and I read Shakespeare, but like, let's talk about that. I read Shakespeare. Shakespeare is not meant to be read. It's meant to be performed, and I hate that. I hate that I was in classes where, why weren't we just watching the plays? But you know what I had to do to, like, get through reading those, Rhonda? I had to spark note it so that I knew what was happening in the narrative. Yeah. Then I would go to the gym. I would put the book in the front of me so that I read it and I would do an audiobook while I walked on the treadmill because I knew if I listened to an audiobook while I was trying to read I would just fall asleep and that's how I read Shakespeare in college I'm fairly sure that I watched the movies and read the cliff notes Cliff Notes were the yellow books. Do you remember Cliff Notes? Did you oh ever have God, Cliff Notes? I never had Cliff Notes. No, it was oh. Spark Notes for us. It was online. Oh, see, we didn't have online. We had an actual book that summarized. Oh, yes, the I entire do remember. Play. In high school, there were Cliff Notes. Yeah. So we had those, and I'm I'm fairly sure that I went off of that for Shakespeare because that's not the kind of poetry I like. And don't get me wrong, Shakespeare is genius and I appreciate it now, but in high school I was not at the appreciator level. I don't think any high schooler really is. No, but I, I, think, I think that you need to be exposed to Shakespeare when your brain is a little bit more mature than that when you're reading it at 14 years old I don't think you can really absorb what's well even in high school like I I do remember reading it in high school though and it definitely like settled in more I remember for like Romeo and Juliet we watched the Leonardo DiCaprio like I'm sure I cried I'm sure I cried I I don't know for sure and then we did um the Princess and the Pea, which is after, um, what is, what is the play that that's after with, um, the Queen? I'm not sure. 
I don't even know what it's after, but they performed it. I think the way literature is introduced to young children is not, is just not, it's not, not it. No. No. I don't think so either. I think the best thing to do is to find new age poetry and to find performed poetry. And I mean, like, maybe... Maybe I'm a little bit biased because that's how we met at open mic spoken word poetry, but I think hearing people say things out loud and perform their poetry gives so much more meaning to it than just reading it dryly off of a sheet. And I think one cool way to introduce poetry would be to introduce a local poet. How cool would that be? hey, here's a local local poet, here's a book. You could buy a bunch of books for the class. You'd be supporting local poetry, local community while you're doing it. Yeah. And then you could have that poet come into the class and perform it for the class. Yeah. Um, there are certainly enough poets in this community that could be doing that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We, we know lots of good poets here. Yeah, and I think people think that Fargo-Moorhead is a nothing burger. And it's not. I think we're a hotbed of art and talent here. I think so too, and it's something that I really want to shed more light on with this podcast and with any podcast that I might be doing. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that it would be an awesome opportunity to welcome artists to come on and share a little bit about their work and their process and um, whatever that is they want to plug because we could certainly use more information out there about local art. Yes, and giving them that literal physical voice to attach to their artwork. Indeed. so much for joining me on the write this down podcast with Shayna griffin and our co-host Rhonda. Um, Rhonda, do you have anything you want to plug um you can find me on facebook under Rhonda joe gilbertson evans and you can also find my podcast in my so-called lupus life and that is on spotify awesome so go ahead and check that out and thank you so much for listening to this the third episode of the write this down podcast have a nice day